This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast session number 102, Hope, Happiness, and Aha Moments. Hi there, and welcome to session number 102 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. And Happy New Year. 2017 is going to be amazing. And I hope you're anticipating really outstanding things for your life, for your business, for your projects, and everything that you are anticipating. I really hope that you expect the best. My name is Annette Bone, and the Dance Premiering Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world, the transformation I've experienced, the wonderful people that I've met along the way as they share their stories, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. Let's start by giving a huge thank you and appreciation for the two five-star reviews I got recently on iTunes, and I'd love to share them with you here. The first one is from AJ1, Anthony Hayes, from Me, Myself, and I Radio, and the Podcast Discovery Center, and this is the title he wrote, The Force is Strong with This One. (laughs) I love that. He said, I knew when I saw Annette speak for the first time, she was special, This podcast is no different. Simply spectacular. Love the passion in everything you do. Thank you, Anthony. I really appreciate that review. And then the second one, it says, Annette is amazing. And that's from Harold Ree. And he said, great mix of love of dance and the business of dance provides passion, life lessons, and terrific advice. This show is not just about dance. It's about life with a focus on dancing. Thank you again, Anthony. Thank you, Harold, so much for the kind reviews and for taking time to listen and to give me feedback. I really, really appreciate it. It means so much to me. So I'm happy to start off this new year with this interview with the amazing Danny Batimana, who is the founder and CEO of Happiness Is Now, Inc., creator of Team Millennia, which was made famous by America's Best Dance Crew. And some of the things we talk about are the things he does to prepare as a public speaker, since he speaks all over the country, inspiring people to live from their passion. And we also talk about what he asks himself after every speech. And we also talk about what happened when he was touring with the Poriotics, also made famous by America's Best Dance Crew, and much more. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, this is Danny Batimana, CEO and founder of Happiness Is Now, and you're listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. My special guest today is all about happiness and hope. He is the creator and CEO of Happiness Is Now, Inc., which specializes in motivational presentations all across the country. He started Team Millennia, which was made famous on America's Best Dance Crew. He's choreographed for the Laker Girls, the Portland Trailblazers, and the LA Clippers Spirit, to name a few. He's done stuff all over the world, choreographed, taught, performed. He's also managed another dance group from America's Best Dance Crew called Poriotics, who I also love. And he's been able to combine his love for dance with his background in business to speak all over the country, 
bringing a positive message to youth and empower them to live from their passion. I am so excited to welcome the awesome, engaging Danny Batimana. How are you, Danny? I'm well. Thank you for having me today. Oh, I'm so thrilled. And oh, my goodness. First of all, I have to say, when I saw you at the recent dance competition that you you created, which we'll talk about a little bit called Bridge, I was, oh, I was so happy getting there. I was so excited. You know, it was my first uh, hip hop dance competition to watch. And, and I didn't know really what to expect, except that I would see awesome dancing, of course. But seeing how you run the production, uh, the way you interacted with uh, the dance crews and everybody, it was, it was a really great lesson, not only for business, but for how to deal with people and um, just how engaging you were, but so natural. And I know you've been doing this for a while, but with the dance competition world, the nature of it obviously is to compete and, um, you know, you want to do your best and that kind of thing. But for me, going to dance competitions in different genres, there, there's a different feel. Like I felt it was different going to bridge because I felt that there was it was very obvious, the camaraderie, the community, the love. Um, is that is that culture something that you cultivated when you started the or the the this production, this showcase? Or do you think that's just automatically inherent in the hip hop dance culture and community? What would you say about that? Well, and I think, um, you know, in the very beginning, when I was a part of the, the community and starting this whole dance world, it was very much it was very much, it was competitive. I would say early on, the teams were very competitive, but the community was very tight and very close and very small and nobody knew about it. Um, it was just, you know, Southern California and, and few teams up uh, in North, Northern California. So, you know, we've always had a small niche. We really, we really um, make sure that we connect with each other. And, you know, the new generation right now, with all these other dance competitions that come up in our community, you know, the world is starting to notice. And so we, Team Millennia, we go to competitions often. And personally, I just feel that many of them are losing sight of what this was all about and why it all started in the very beginning. It wasn't really about competing against each other and, and hating the other team. It was about rejoicing our hard work and the community and you know, dancers don't get paid. We rehearse and we spend money and time and a lot of us are, are, are working and going to school. So this is a, a time for our parents and our community to see exactly what we do in the wee uh, hours of the morning. So for Bridge, for me, when I started getting applications from, say, international teams or teams that I, I really haven't heard of, we had a a crossroads to figure out, do we want to take it outside of our community or do we want to foster and continue to, you know, nurture the teams that have been by our sides throughout these years. And, and I think, you know, once you just said that it was more of like a community feel, I, I'm really happy about that because the bridge committee, we make sure that we take care of the ones that were in the, there in the very beginning. So I'm glad that you did say it. It is a competition, but I think with this new generation, everybody dances um, together in, in different projects in different separate groups outside of their competing groups. So I, I like to say that Bridge is a dance competition first and foremost, but it's a place where dancers can reconnect and see their friends that they haven't seen for a while. So yeah, that's what we try to foster. We try to foster just an overall feeling. Um, and, and because happiness is now hosts it, 
uh, that's that's our mission. So, oh, it's an awesome mission, and it was. I felt it immediately, even when I walked up to get in line to go in. I was just really impressed with, you know, the timeliness of how you ran everything, the team, the cohesiveness, and I know it's probably taken some time to develop this and getting the right people and having the right type of energy and people that jive with the mission of your organization. And so I'm I'm happy that it was sold out. It was so cool to see everybody so excited and just so enthusiastic about presenting their works. And then what I really loved too was the part, and I don't know if that was something that was always there from the beginning that you had the most valuable dancer mm-hmm. voted with, you know, within the cruise. I thought that was just, that really touched me that, that you had that as part of that. And I, I loved how everybody was so happy for each other. It was just, it, it was such a refreshing thing to see. And I don't know if that it's like that for other hip hop dance competitions. <laughs> I don't know. But, but um, for me, it was, it was such a gift to see that, that see that love within the dance community. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you went through a bunch of struggles all at one time and you addressed that in your TEDx talk a mm-hmm. couple of years ago when you spoke at TEDx Youth in San Diego. In revisiting that and presenting some of that, you know, going back to those experiences, was it hard to prepare your your talk for that event? And how did you, you know, how do you prepare for your speaking events? Is it, does it depend on what kind of event it is? You know, I, I'd love to hear your process of, on, uh, because, you, you know, that's what you do for a living now, too, what that process is for you as a speaker and going across the country and speaking to people. Yeah, that's a good question. That was my very first talk I've ever made in life. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh, Danny, it was so good. That was your first one? No way. Well, you know, I, I think I've had practice. You know, I read a lot of books. I was actually inspired by Brene Brown, her TED Talk about the power of vulnerability. She's a professor in, in Houston, Houston University. Yeah, she's awesome. Awesome, right? Um, so I watched her and I would just watch all these TED Talks. I was going through something um, when I was in my 30s and, and trying to find my happiness. And, um, you know, I just decided that I wanted to do a talk of my own. Um, I was inspired. I was traveling with the Poriotics at the time. And um, I was just trying to search for what was my purpose, what was my calling, because I was in my 30s um, making, you know, good money. And But I just wasn't, I was dead inside. So, you know, there are times in your life where you come at a crossroads. And it happened when I was uh, around 22. It happened in my 30s. And it's actually currently happening right now. You you go through these these points in your life where you you question your purpose. So yes. at that time, I felt like I needed to tell my story. And uh, the the funny thing is that when you do a TEDx event or a TED, TED event, they have a coach for you. And so they have a, a certain way where they would like your speech to go. There's a formula. And so they actually helped me. I tried to memorize all my lines at first, you know, with their format. And they said that, that it just wasn't working. <laughs> so I said, okay, <laughs> at some points, I'm just going to talk. But for me, if I start moving around the stage, if you could see, like I move a lot, yes. <laughs> uh, that kind of gets me into the rhythm of it all. But it was definitely scary. But just seeing the faces and feeling the energy and telling my story. Honestly, after the 12 minutes I was on stage, I felt like Oprah Winfrey came from the heavens, honestly. And she said, this is your purpose in life. You know, this is what you need to be doing. And I just had like an Oprah aha moment. And um, that's when I decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it made sense. I, I read the book, The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. He talked yes, about the 10, awesome book. Yeah, the 10 years or 10,000 hours to really perfect or to master something. And for me, it just made sense. I was a high school teacher for eight years. And then two years, I was managing the poiotic. So uh, it just got me prepared for that stage, you know, year 10, you know, eight years teaching two years 
trying to figure out what made me happy. That was the 10th year. That was the stage. And after I did that, it was just like, okay, okay this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to go around to the different elementary, middle school, uh, high schools around the country and just inspire them to do what makes them happy. Cause you know, I, I would never have thought that I would be a speaker, you know, when I was younger and it was definitely a journey. And, um, I always knew that I was, I wanted to do business and maybe, maybe be a lawyer, but, um, how did I know if I really didn't experience everything else on my path? So that's, that's the basic message that, that I tell when I'm out there. And you know what? The kids can smell and they can tell and they can feel if you are fake, if you are not genuine, if you are just there to entertain. Uh, for me, when I prepare, I do my research on the demographics of the school and the needs. And then I just tell the different stories. I pick stories that I've used in the past and I throw them in there. Sometimes I, I throw in new, new stories and if they work, then I continue to hone them. But you know what? It, it all goes by the energy of the crowd. So I wouldn't say that I have like a script, but I definitely can tell which stories to pull in and which to pull out and when to start dancing and when to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I sure. love that you incorporate the dance aspect of it too. When I was watching, I thought, oh, this is just so cool. It's so engaging. And that's what I felt again. I've told you that I, I found you so engaging as you were hosting your uh, bridge events, been to dance performances where... It was all about the host talking more than showing and showcasing the talent that they brought in. Mm -hmm. And so it was just way too much talking. I mean, I'm all about conversation, of course, hence the podcast. But I felt like you had such a great balance of um, interjecting things that, you know, and you kept me laughing, which <laughs> was great when you talked about, oh, yeah, well, you know, I thought I was, uh, you know, going back to Team Millennia again, but I heard that they, <laughs> they start rehearsal at 930 or nine, but that's when I go to bed, and then they, they go till 430 in the morning. And that's when I get up. So I realized that that's just not gonna, <laughs> gonna work. I was, oh, my gosh. So Danny, I just I loved watching not only the dancing, but watching you in action as you were hosting that event. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I know the audience is mainly at that competition, mainly the parents and stuff. So they're sitting for, you know, four hours. So I got to <laughs> as, as much as possible. So. Well, I thought, you know, the way that it was structured too, like, you know, when you told me that it was going to be long because there are several teams competing, several, you know, meaning quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel that way. You know, I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, this is going on so long because you kept everyone engaged. There was variety and uh, just the enthusiasm and energy, like what you're saying, reading the crowd, I think that helped as well. And so um, I'm not surprised that it was sold out. So <laughs> well-deserved, by the way. And with that, the Bridge Dance Competition, you owned a studio, you started a very popular dance crew, you've managed a very popular dance crew with the Poriotics and and, you know, all this going on, what what has been your favorite thing to work on so far? Has speaking been your favorite thing to do? What, or do you just love all of it? And you, you know, you just want to keep doing all of it? It changes. Being bored is the wrong word. I just, I always look for challenges. Mm -hmm. I'm always looking to grow. I think, you know, when I started Team Millennia, that was great in college, you know, I was really excited about that. And then I, I felt we, there was another potential for growth. So decided to do the dance studio, which for me was great, but I actually, it actually 
closed down our second st- our first studio actually burned down <laughs> uh, Burn? were, oh i didn't uh, know that <laughs> yeah it was a, there was a fire up in fullerton um our dance studio burned down or the complex burned down and um so we moved to another studio that was a little bit bigger a lot more expensive i just wasn't smart about that situation my business acumen wasn't developed as much as i thought and i actually had to foreclose that business and and um it was quite hard and like i said that was when i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do so that was a big hit in my life that was a, a huge failure uh that i had to overcome mentally i i finally like looking back at it it was definitely something that needed to happen because i wouldn't have been able to go out with the poriotics i wouldn't be able to speak because all my energies were in that dance studio so i felt like you know what i think this is a calling this is definitely a situation that i i learned from and looking back at it i'm glad that it happened owning a dance studio is very hard and i praise anybody who who is continuing to do that and has a dream for that but for me it was it, it was difficult i don't think that was my calling so Speaking right now is something that's scary. It's just like business. Uh, I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, you question yourself. Is this the right thing to do? A, a lot of the times I'm up there, I'm looking at the other speakers and hearing them. And I'm, I don't sound like a speaker. I don't look like a speaker. And so I always question myself. But I think at the end of the night, at the end of the day, what have I done for the audience? Were they connected? And for the most part, they are. So I'm going to continue to do this and not second guess myself, you know. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of questioning and, 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 and seeing if I'm, if I'm good, you know, as a dancer and as a perfectionist, a type A person, I'm always thinking, <laughs> am I good enough? Is this good? I oh gosh. I, I so relate to that, Danny. And I think, I personally think you should keep doing it because I definitely benefited from, <laughs> from watching you in action and, and your message. And what are you finding as you're doing your, um, speaking, what is resonating with the most? What kind of feedback are you getting that's resonating most with your audience? I think the most, just the energy that can be created. I think for me, I like to create energy and get everybody out of their comfort zone. The biggest thing for me, and I think for a lot of people out there listening, is the biggest drawback, the biggest obstacle for one to pursue what they want and for them to do what they truly want is fear. Uh, fear is a huge, huge factor in stopping people realizing their dreams and just starting something that they really want to do. And uh, for me to go out on stage, I'm actually a very, I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, I, I may not seem like one, but I'm an introverted person. I like being by myself. Uh, but on stage, that's kind of like, okay, we got to be on stage. We have to act strong in front of these people and we jump in and dare greatly, you know, and, uh, for me to be on the stage and to get them to do things that they never would do, especially the yellow flash mob at the end, it proves to them. Um, and it proves to myself that we can do things that we could never could imagine, but we just need to overcome that mental blockage of fear. You know, fear is, uh, is more exaggerated in your mind than it really is. And, and I've, I've found that once you jump into that and you kind of just, okay, uh, forego that fear and use it as energy, you basically, you look back at it and you kind of laugh. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I was so scared to do that. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And, um, yeah. And then I, you kind of just get used to it. You know, you just kind of get used to it. So that's what I, that's what I, I get a lot is like, I can't believe I was dancing. I've never danced before. And it's not about the dancing. It really isn't. It's about you doing something that 
seems scary. And if you could do it and go in front of your, on the gym floor in front of your classmates and do it, I mean, kudos, you know? Yes. Um, and when the teachers come on the floor, it's like, they just get re-energized. You know, we have some teachers that run out of the gym that, that tells me, and I was a teacher that tells me that they're not comfortable. You know, they don't have control of the kids sometimes, but the, those teachers that come up on stage, man, you know, they're having fun. They, they don't care. It just shows good role modeling the students will do whatever those teachers say. Those teachers that go on the floor and do the yellow flash mob and act silly <laughs> get more out of their kids than if they didn't go on there. Do you think that there is still a lack of mentorship in the dance world? Or do you think that, that that's even more available now? What, what are your, you know, since you've been in the industry and the world, you know, you've been in, you're in the hip hop community, you're in the educational community, the business community, do you see any gaps in terms of the mentor student relationship and, and those examples? Because there's always people criticizing, well, all these young people, they don't know what hard work is, but that's not, that's a very big generalization. There are lots of kids that work hard and know the value of hard work. What would you say about that? You know, first starts with the parents and everybody has a different parents. Obviously my parents are pretty hands off with me, but they had high expectations being Asian parents. I would say the mentors are out there. Definitely. They're all out there. And for people like us, we want to help as many people as possible. But the thing is that, and even my dancers, they're scared to ask. Uh. There are many times I've sat down my dancers and have said, look, ask me anything. Let's have a cup of coffee. The, re- the way that I learned how to get to the position that I was at is that if I saw somebody that was doing something that I wanted, I would ask them. I would interview them. I would read lots of books on people that I looked up to, Steve Jobs, Magic Johnson, you know, like all these uh, Oprah Winfrey. Like I, I'd read about them and I told them, like, why, why are you trying to invent, reinvent the wheel when the wheel is there? Um, the foundation is there. And you got to use people like myself and John Abbas, who's the director, has been with me for a long time with Team Millennia. Use us as resources and don't be afraid to ask for help because I'm, I, there are many people that have mentored me and continue to do so. So I feel it's my obligation to do the same. And uh, I love doing it. I love when people ask me to have coffee or have a conversation because I'm willing to share. It's not, it's not anything new. You know, I'm just regurgitating like the information that was taught to me. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm, it's not my information. I borrowed it. I stole it from somebody else and I'm willing to share it. Uh, definitely I put up my own twist to it, but uh, yes. it's out there. It really is. It's interesting because like I always think you always, at least for me, I question, well, there's there's already someone doing, you know, ABC or whatever, you know, I, I it's oversaturated. But but like you said, you add your own, your own unique life perspective and your experiences. And there are some people that will only listen to you. It's they're waiting for you to be the one to mentor them. And I think part of the reason that you are as influential and having the success that you are is because you are available that way to share what you've been through and you, you know, being vulnerable and authentic. And it was, I thought it was very interesting what you said about the kids that they can smell and, and read whether you're fake or whether you're just to entertain when you come and speak. And so that's, that says quite a bit about you, Danny. So that's really awesome. So we're going to go into some fun questions. I'm interested in hearing what your answers are going to be to this. I call it the dancepreneuring quick steps. So there are three quick questions and you have to let me know quickly what just comes to mind first. Are you ready? Yes. 
Okay, dance style you haven't tried but would like to, and why? Oh God, dance popping. <laughs> you haven't tried popping? I'm surprised. No, no I'm like trained. I'm jazz, ballet, uh-huh. pop. Like with all the foundational stuff, that's not my thing. I I have never trained in it, and I'm sad because I see <laughs> I see everybody doing it. I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I, and even like Dumbo with the poriotics, uh, uh-huh. like I they would teach me things here and there, and I think it's so cool, but. I, I wish I I did that. <laughs> well, there's you know, like we we both agree, it's never too late. Dance is like for everyone at any stage, so it's right. definitely never too late. Uh, favorite dancer or choreographer, and why? Oh, <laughs> okay. I have to go back. I have to go like in our community, or just like world famous. What, whatever. This is the question. Everybody's like, oh, I have so many, you know, which is understandable, oh, right? So but, I'm gonna say back in the day, Tina Landon. Uh, Janet Jackson. Ah, yes. Just because she created everything, I would, I would go home, watch MTV after school, and I would do If, and I would do all those dance moves, and I thought that I wanted to, you know, be a backup dancer for Janet. I have friends that did it and realized the dream, so I think that's pretty awesome. But she was definitely influential. I think she was my favorite choreographer of all time. Right now, I really enjoy Keone Madrid. Uh huh. Yes. I've been working with them for quite a while when they first started and they used to teach at my dance studio, but it's not so much the dancing. I mean, they're amazing, obviously. It's just their message and their feel and the reason why they do it. It's the why. It's the, the why. why. It's the why. And their work ethic and their humbleness and it, they're not diva-ish. There are choreographers out there that I know and they're, I hope they don't listen, but I know <laughs> And they've changed. I'm like, you go around to you go around the world and you teach, you know, classes in the summer and then you come back a different person. Like that to me, it should always come from humbleness. Because you would not be in this situation if the dancers that supported you throughout these years didn't mm-hmm. support you. And for people like Mari and Keone, they never ask like it's not about the money. It's not about any, it's about the dancing and giving back to the community. So for me, those two are my favorite choreographers because they're killing it right now. And they're just so nice and humble and uh, engaging with their students. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Danny, because it, it is interesting for me when I meet and still now I'm surprised when I meet uh, people in the industry that are so kind and so nice because my experience in the past has been so tainted with the whole diva and rude and mean attitudes and even like mean comments toward me and stuff. And so I for me, it's so refreshing to hear you address that. And then also to be reminded that there are really good people in the industry in the dance world, including yourself. And so thank you for bringing that up. I'm so glad that you did. Let me just add a point really quick. When I was young, when I was 21, if I had been on YouTube and traveling around the world, I'd probably be I was pretty I was pretty stuck up. I was, <laughs> I was pretty mean. I thought I was, you know, the ish back then. But you know, just going through life, um, it really has changed me. Like I'm a different person. So I have hope for the choreo- the new choreographers. I know when I see them, I I know that it's just like a phase in their life, mm. and then it'll change. But um, I try to kind of invoke that in there. Like you, know, <laughs> you might be hot right now, but just you know, in a few years, you might not be. So just be prepared for that. Um, but it's a journey. I can I can see it. But just genuine people, like really genuine people that are just nice the whole time. I'm like envious because I was like, I, I'm not like that. 
I had to change. So um, I don't want your listeners to think that I'm like Oprah Winfrey over here because I, I was more like Steve Jobs in the beginning. And, you know, and he's my idol. I mean, I'm, that's how I, when I look at him, I'm like, wow. Uh, he knew, he was a perfectionist. He wanted to do it his way or you would be kicked out. And so I think, you know, with experiences in life and people around you and you, you discover what's life is about and not to take anything that too serious. And so when he started off really brash, you know, he got fired from Apple and decided, you know, okay, well, he had to reconfigure his whole way of, of doing business and treating people. And, and I feel like I had a similar journey as him. And we just, we just become better people, more empathetic. And um, so that's why I idolize him because he started off as this big shot and, and nobody can touch him. But you know, when he, when he grew older, when he, when he was older, he became more empathetic and, and more likable. So, um, yeah, he's my idol. Definitely. Yeah. I was going to ask you who, who has inspired you. And it sounds like you definitely resonate with uh, the journey that he went through. Mm. And I think that does make you more relatable and more authentic because you know, and like you were saying with these other dancers that have maybe right now they're basking in their glory and, Mm. and not really seeing the big picture and that kind of thing. And, Mm. and you still being empathetic because you've been through that. So Mm. that's just a lot, you know, with your growth and what you've been through. So the last question is the dance style that currently describes your day and why my day uh yes. <laughs> currently <laughs> <laughs> i'm old school hip-hop i like to dance to and counts so i would say like jazz funk a mixture mm. of jazz and diva like music i love britney spears i i love that genre i love attitude i love fierceness um so like i would say like a jazz funk routine but old, to old school music. That's how I live my life every day. You know, nowadays <laughs> I see a lot of really emotional <laughs> routines and the dance style is slowed down a bit and it's just very, very about feeling and emotions. And for me, I'm sort of an, I sort of have ADD and I need to be moving. I need to move, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so I, that's why I resonate with like Zumba classes or just like when you go to the club and just dance all night, that's, that's what I try to live my life by is just uh, movement, creating energy. You need to create energy to live. I love that you talked about energy so much in our conversation. I think that's so important and being sensitive to that, reading that as you're going around speaking. And I'm sure that it has helped you in your business life as well, being able to read people and adjust. And um, I feel like with you, like you, it is really your heart to serve and to really empower people. And I, I really get that from you, Danny. And I so appreciate our time together, this conversation, getting to know you. And like I said, watching you on stage, engage the crowd and keeping me laughing. I think sense of humor is so <laughs> so important. I, I try to laugh all the time. It's I think it's just so important to keep that sense of humor in everything that you do. And so if you want to find out more about Danny and his awesome business and organization and where he's going to be and all the things he has going on, go to his website at happinessisnow.org. And I will link all of his information in the show notes. And you can check him out there. I would highly encourage it. And if you can get to one of his uh, speaking engagements or his competitions, I highly encourage that. Thank you, Danny, so much for your time, for sharing your genius. And I really look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you. That was a pleasure.
What aha moment would you like to share that has been impactful? I would love to hear about it. And you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash 102, where you'll also find the show notes to this session. If you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I would really love it and appreciate it if you could go to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play and comment, review, subscribe, rate, (laughs) all those wonderful things. And that way I can continue improving the podcast and also get your name out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.